Hey guys, my name is Matt Brown, and in this video, I'm going to share with you what I believe are 10 steps towards starting a successful business within only four weeks. So obviously it is the, the new year, uh, and every new year we all want to, you know, set New Year's resolutions and kind of build things and start afresh and, and things like that. So if you are sitting in a job that you hate, uh, this is a very important uh, episode for you. Um, if you're um, in a startup phase and survival phase, this is also going to be a very important uh, video for you. So just for context, um, I've started over the last 20 years, probably like 14 different startups. And um, I've had multiple exits. Many of those businesses, um, you know, turned over um, over a million dollars. And um, and I've you know in the process of starting all these businesses, I've figured out what I believe are kind of ten steps towards starting a, a successful startup. So this is going to get you out of the blocks. Um, so if you'd like to uh, you know join the conversation, please like, comment, and subscribe. Would love to obviously hear from you guys. So um, so. There's 10 things, and I'm going to start with the first one, which is uh, no, number one, which is know why. So um, many people are unhappy um, in what I would call J-O-Bs. And uh, J-O-Bs or jobs uh, oftentimes means for most people that you're just over broke. So uh, being broke sucks. It's not nice for anybody. Um, and um, if you are broke, it comes with a lot of suffering and misery. And what I find incredibly frustrating are people who are sitting in corporate jobs or dead-end jobs that they hate. Um, and it's really interesting for me that people, um, you know, choose to stay there uh, and, you know, be miserable. Um, so my view is that, you know, if you can't figure out what makes you happy or fulfilled, then you must learn to be happy in your misery. Um, and I know it doesn't sound, it's not a nice thing to hear, but it's the truth. So why do you want to leave your job? Well, are you just miserable, sin, unhappy? Are you not making it work financially? Uh, like what are your reasons for wanting to start a business? Um, and it's really important to ask why. If you don't, you don't need to have the why, you need to have a why. So my why for starting a business was, you know, uh, I had crippling debt. Uh, I wanted to be um, a, a better father. Uh, I wanted to provide more for my family uh, and all these kind of things. And uh, if it wasn't for the gift of entrepreneurship, um, I wouldn't uh, be who I am today. I wouldn't have had the success that I, that I've had today. Um, and certainly I, um, I wouldn't be the entrepreneur that I am today if I hadn't started the business. So, um, you know, those are just some of the whys that I had, but you should find one, you know, and ask the question, well, why do you want this? Are you running away from something or are you moving towards something? Um, and these are very important motivators because there's three drivers of success here. So there's being motivated, then there's being driven, and then there's being obsessed. If you want to be a truly remarkably successful person, you have to be obsessed uh, about uh, solving the problem that you want to solve. Uh, driven people are oftentimes rich, not necessarily wealthy, and people that just get by are motivated. Now, motivated uh, entrepreneurs or people uh, are um, people who 
oftentimes uh, you know struggle to keep that motivation uh, high, high enough to execute sufficiently in order to get to a certain outcome. Um, so um, it's like great quote from Mike Tyson. He said, everybody's got a plan until you get kicked in the face. And entrepreneurship is like getting kicked in the face every single day, hard. <laughs> so uh, motivation is not enough. You know, you got to be driven. You have to be obsessed about that problem and you need to be very clear around what your why is. So that's the first step. The second thing um, that um, I would recommend to start a successful business in four weeks is to commercialize a service. So uh, there's two choices uh, essentially here. You can start a services business or a product business. Now, a product business, if you're reselling a product, it's, it's fast to do um, and it can be uh, easily achieved. But product uh, ecosystems are oftentimes difficult to commercialize. In other words, they can't be commercialized uh, typically, not, not in all cases, but in most cases, you can't commercialize a product as fast as you can commercialize a service. If I wanted to commercialize a service, for instance, if I wanted to cut hair, that's pretty quick. I can get a customer really fast, they get some razors, and off I go. I go shave your head, <laughs> as you can see here. Um, and uh, services are just uh, easier to, uh, to commercialize in my experience. So, um, having said that, you want to be thinking about the product from day one. Now, services businesses are really great in the sense of you can build the service around the problem. So when you start a business, you oftentimes aren't fully uh, aware of the problem that uh, your business will solve. So you think you're going to solve X, but actually you wind up solving Y, sometimes even Z. So um, it's very important that as a services business, it can buy you the time that you need to figure out what kind of product can help my business scale. So the formula that I've done to exit multiple businesses is to start services and within the services space, actually then look at, well, what products make sense to commercialize for my customer base? Um, and when I do that, my products are oftentimes way more successful than if I just started off building a product to, to begin with. And oftentimes, if you're thinking about technology products, so digital SaaS products as an example, um, it costs a lot more money uh, to, to build. It costs a lot more time. You need technical resources. You need a lot of different uh, skill sets inside a product-driven business um, that are very expensive and oftentimes technology products uh, or, or founders, tech founders, um, they wind up uh, raising money to float their runway. So this is why SaaS companies or software as a service companies don't make uh, profit um, within the, the sort of first one to three years. It's very rare for a SaaS company to actually make a profit. So, um, so having said that, uh, services are really fast to commercialize. And when you start a business, it's all about speed. You need to make money fast. So you quit your job today. In two weeks' time, you want to be commercializing stuff. You don't want to be thinking about what uh, you know, how to find a CTO or a developer in Singapore or India to go and build your product. It's too, it's too long. You should have started that six months ago, maybe even longer. So commercialize a service first, then, then think about the product. Um, the third thing is lose the business plan. So I oftentimes get asked, well, should I write a business plan? And I say, you know, go ahead, but it's a great exercise in theoretical thinking. It doesn't mean that you're going to, or your plan will survive the market itself. So, um, 
the other thing to say is that when you uh, when you're starting a business, you don't have time, dude, to write a, a massive, long, thirty-page business plan. And by the way, no one fucking cares. Only you care. So you don't have the time, and you need to be commercializing and selling and making sales within your first week. Otherwise, you are not going to uh, have a successful business. Now, by success, I mean you ha- you're generating money. You've got a service that's commercialized. So the other thing to say is that oftentimes, cust- um, you know, startups don't um, select a big enough market. So when you are starting a business, you want to pick a big market. If you pick a, a small market uh, that's so small, the market's not liquid enough, uh, it's going to be very hard to commercialize. So if you select a big market com- compared to that, you're going to be able to commercialize much, much faster. So a big market for me is like $50 billion. That's kind of like a big market. So think about, you know, um, the idea that all boats rise with the rising tide. So if the market's going up, if you think about cryptocurrency or blockchain startups, very interesting now, NFTs, um, uh, token-based businesses or marketplaces um, are very much growing exponentially because of the rising tide, the rising market. Um, So it's very important to select your market that's big enough and that is actually growing. If your market's dying, everybody's dying. You know, so think about Kodak, you know, think about... Um, you know, um, the the retailers in the US that haven't adopted fully uh, e-commerce, Toys R Us, for instance. So, um, you know, think about is the market growing or is it dying? Because if it's dying, you cannot play there. You're not going to survive. Um, so, or it's going to be much harder to survive. So you want to think about a growing market um, and uh, and is that market big enough to sustain new entrants such as your own business? Now, very importantly, um, in this next step, you want to be thinking about a market niche. So the biggest um, thing I've ever done to help me grow my business exponentially faster, uh, not just you know organically or in a linear fashion, is to pick a, mark, uh, a market niche, right? So niche down. So niching down means you, f- you choose to be for someone or you choose to be for a specific customer. You are for technology businesses. You are for Shopify uh, e-commerce stores. You are for you know, um, hair salons in Denver, Texas only, uh, you know, pick a niche. The, the smaller the niche, the, the more um, things will become clear to you. Your competitors will become clearer. Your pricing will become clearer. The way that you grow will become clearer. Your ability to grow your network will be faster. And these are all, uh, you know, quantifiable benefits that come from choosing a niche. Now, you may say to me, well, choosing a niche is actually too too dangerous. I want to go, I want to sell to lots of different customers. Okay. I can tell you now, if you, if you, for everyone, you will be invisible. No one cares about you being for everybody. Now, today, people buy specialism. They buy people and businesses that specialize in this thing really, really well. And so they will also choose you over a competitor because you, you are for this one problem only. So while there might be other competitors that do similar things in similar uh, um, areas of the business in terms of like servicing the business or solving certain problems within their value chain, um, you need to be for this one thing and commercialize that one thing better than everybody else, specialize in that one thing uh, better than everybody else. So um, choose a niche. The other, the final point in here is uh, something called the value equation, right? So you need to know how is your business going to create value? So there's a framework 
I came across recently, which is really fantastic. It's from uh, Alex Hormozzi, great guy. Go check out his YouTube channel. But essentially, uh, he's come up with this thing called the value equation. So this, I've worked with value equations for for many, many years. And this one I, f- I find is really, really simple and digestible. So there's there's a few components to this. So how is value created? Value is created um, essentially using four things, right? So there's the dream outcome. There's the perceived likelihood of success. There's the time delay for your customer in order to get that value. Um, And then there's the effort and sacrifice that that customer needs to go through in order to get the value. So if you think about those four things, um, they form part of what's called a value equation. So the dream outcome is, well, what is the dream outcome for the customer? Well, you know, automated processes, more sales, less cost. Uh, better hires, happier culture, whatever the case is. So what's the dream outcome? The next thing is a perceived likelihood of success. So um, it's the dream outcome multiplied by the perceived likelihood of success. So what does perceived likelihood of success mean? It means how are you best suited to solve this problem? And you need to have a story around how and or why you can solve this problem faster or better um, or more consistently than the competition. Um, So think about that uh, and we'll touch on that now in a moment when we talk about getting your first customer. And the second thing is time delay. So if you enter a market that is hyper competitive um, and what, uh, and you're kind of feeling the pinch, um, you know, there's other more entrenched uh, businesses or players or competitors. How do you compete there? Well, the first thing that you do is you don't compete on price. If you compete on price, it's a race to the bottom. So what you want to do is you want to compete on speed. So it's the ability, right, for your customer to get value faster than your competition. So when you compete on speed, you can even charge more than your competitor because you're delivering the outcome, the dream outcome, faster than the competition. So how can you do things faster? So in Digital Kung Fu, uh, business I've just sold, um, our whole thing was we get you to market in seven days because agencies, our competitors, were slow or are slow. So we were like, we're the world's fastest storytelling production company. Come get some. How fast do you want to get to market? No one can touch us in terms of our speed. And so the time delay to get that value was way shorter. Now, the final piece here is effort and sacrifice. So when somebody buys a service from you, um, there's a certain effort and sacrifice that goes along with that from the customer's perspective. So how much effort is the customer going to need to find your shop? right, to experience or buy the product? Um, and, um, and is it going to, do they have to jump through 10 hoops or have you made it really simple for them to buy from you, right? So these are key considerations uh, when, when you think about the value that your business will create. Um, and these will form part of your cold call script, uh, which we're going to get into now. So let's talk about the fourth thing, which is getting your first customer. So the first point I want to make here is that you, you have to have a story, right? You need to have something uh, to say. Um, if you don't have something interesting to say, um, no one's going to give you the time of day. So number one, you need to believe in your own story and you need to have a story that fits to that value equation. So, you know, you know what's the dream outcome? We do it faster for less, uh, you know, whatever the case might be. So, um, so let's... Uh, talk about actual selling. So there's many options for you to sell stuff. Now, the first thing you, you want to do, is stay away from digital marketing. 
okay? It takes time to produce content, right? And oftentimes you, you're the only guy, you're the only girl, so you don't have the skill set to design stuff. And if you do, fantastic, but most, most of you don't. So don't waste your time uh, messing around with Facebook pages and all this kind of stuff, right? The fastest way, legit, the fastest way to commercialize something is on the phone, not on Facebook, not on LinkedIn. The fastest way to commercialize something is on the phone. Business happens. It doesn't matter whether you're starting a B2B business or a B2C business. It's human to human, right? You are talking to me, Matt Brown. You are selling me. I might see your ad on Facebook and that's great. Or I might see it on LinkedIn or Twitter or Instagram, but you are bu- I'm buying you're trying to close me as a customer, right? So these digital channels can come after the fact. I'm saying in four weeks, in your first week, what do you need to do? Get on the phone, right? So there's some amazing tools that you can get to get phone numbers of customers that you want to reach. So it's very easy uh, to sell something, but you need to know how to do it. So let's get into that now. So the script that I've used uh, in Digital Kung Fu, which by the way, uh, was a a business doing over a million dollars a year, And we didn't spend a cent on marketing, not one cent on Facebook ads, LinkedIn, nothing. We built, uh, you know, a 20 bar business. That's a 20 million business, right? Using the phone only and grew exponentially. So this is the power of, of the phone. Now, I know many of you won't like to make phone calls and that kind of stuff, but get over it, right? If you want to start a successful business, get on the phone, so um, you're going to need a script. So here's the script that uh, we've used at Digital Kung Fu and I've used in many businesses that I believe will work. So the first thing you want to say is ring, ring, hello, am I speaking to Matt, whatever the case might be. And then you want to say something like briefly, okay, now the first thing they want to know is who, who am I talking to? So briefly, my name is Matt Brown. I'm the CEO or Chief Excitement Officer of Digital Kung Fu. Now they know who they're talking to. The next thing they want to know is, well, why are you calling me? Then you want to say, Briefly, the reason for my call is I'm on your website at the moment. Now, that means that they're immediately interested. They're, Why is this person on my website? So this is all about getting attention. So you have 60 seconds to sell, right, on a cold call. So I'm on your website at the moment, and I thought I would reach out to you personally. You are the CEO. I thought I would reach out to you personally. It makes them feel important. Right, and then they're like, "Yes, yes, that's that's great." Like, tell me more, tell me more. So, I would love. And then the next part is, well, what is the action or expectation that you want uh, to set with them? The reason for my call is, I would like to set up a brief uh, virtual coffee with you to explore how we can help you solve or achieve that dream outcome. Okay, that we that you that you described in your value equation. What's the dream outcome? And we can do it with, and then there's got to be some kind of qualifier about why you are qualified to solve or solve that problem better than anybody else. So then you want to say, we get you to market in seven days, or we specialize in, uh, or we work with these customers um, and uh, any kind of authority, you know, around how you can solve that problem uh, faster than your competition. And it takes no time or no risk uh, from their side at all. 
But what you're trying to do is get FaceTime with them, especially in the B2B space. So briefly, the reason for my call is I'd like to set up a virtual coffee with you to explore synergies between our companies. We work with these companies or we solve this problem like this. Um, and I believe that we can very easily solve X and X problem from um, about you know for your business or that you could mention their product. So I see you have widget ABC and we can help you sell more widgets of ABC. Um, you know, faster than anybody else, and I'd love the opportunity to chat to you. That is it. I've used that formula and ver- versions uh, of that framework time and time and time again, and it works every single time. If you say that you are the CEO calling someone and you would like to explore synergies or provide services or help, etc., nine times out of ten, they will give you the time of day. You just need to believe in yourself and get it done. Now, you want to get to a no fast. Right, so if you are um, trying to sell on the phone, uh, you want to get to no fast. Reason being is that if you get ten no's, something's wrong. Your pitch is wrong. Your pricing's wrong. Your, the way that you're positioning your business is wrong. Uh, there's something fundamentally wrong. So you need to listen to market feedback. Okay, so get to no fast and change your script as you are learning about this customer base, right, and what matters to them. This, the another key point here is increase your prices quickly. So when we started Digital Kung Fu, we we delivered the earth for almost no money. We were like, we'll give you sixty sales qualified leads, sixty to a dev house for like, you know, sixty grand, like super super cheap. Um, and what if you and we if you look at our proposals, like every month or every couple of weeks we would literally double prices or we would add 30 or 40 or 50 percent onto our product price or our services prices uh, just to see where uh, or how much the market would be prepared to pay for what we had to offer and eventually when you get to a no no you're too expensive you're too expensive you're too expensive then you know you're at the top end but if you keep selling at the bottom end you're going to miss out on a whole bunch of commercial upside in the middle so increase your prices and don't be scared to increase your prices the higher the price the more perceived value the price is um, and um, and it's all about you know stacking your value so if you charge a dollar try and give them ten dollars worth of value give them an offer that they would be stupid to say no to it's called the grand slam offer think about what that grand slam offer could be so the other final thing here around uh, getting your first customer is when you get a customer ask for a referral so you get a customer you shave their head <laughs> um, and uh, and then you ask them for a referral who else do you know? could benefit from having their head shaved, right? As an example, who else could you know that could benefit from getting great leads or great design work or whatever the, your, your business is? But ask for referrals. A, referred biz, uh, a referral lead is four times, sometimes even more than that, more valuable than a new lead, right? Because it's about trust. It's coming from a network. And when, if I say to you, hey, this guy's really re- uh, reputable, he does great tattoos, whatever the case is, um, you know, or, or has a, an amazing software product, whatever the case might be, then uh, referrals are fantastic ways to grow your customer base without having to pay to acquire a new one. And that's really important when you start out. You want to um, keep your costs low. And that's a great point of departure for the fifth thing here, which is know your numbers. So many entrepreneurs when they start out, they don't even bother with a spreadsheet, right? So um, they just don't know their numbers. What's your cost of acquisition? You know, what's your price and what's your net profit? What's your gross margin? You know, uh, all these kind of things. So as an entrepreneur, you want to know these numbers right up front. Don't build your spreadsheet in month six, build it up front. Say, hey, 
um, you know, um, what can I do to improve the margin in this business? Because it's about profit and revenue. That's really the two things that you want to hit. It's hitting addition, new revenue, uh, but keeping your costs as low as possible. And we'll talk about um, hiring in a second. Um, but it's about really understanding your your numbers and your pricing um, and how much you are likely to generate in revenue and profit. Now, these numbers are important because if you don't know them, how do you know when you should hire someone? Or if you do hire someone, how's it going to affect your OPEX numbers or your balance sheets or your financial statements? So it's very important to know your numbers, right? So think about um, OPEX expenditure. Should you do Facebook or LinkedIn, da, 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 all these kind of things? Numbers matter. So you want to constantly model your business over and over again uh, every single week. So when you make five sales, great, model it, remodel it. How much did they pay? What what my total revenue this uh, this week? How's that going to project forward over the next three, six, nine, 12 months? When do I hire the first employee, et cetera, like that. So let's talk about resourcing. This is the seventh point. So this is, um, you know, hire to save time or make sales. So you shouldn't hire someone just because you don't like doing something. Right. If you don't like making cold calls, doesn't mean you should hire someone who's a, a, a hunter and a purebred salesperson. You want to hire only, especially um, as a startup, to save time or make sales. Right. So there's only so many hours in a day. If you find yourself writing reports and not selling, right? If you're writing reports for six hours a day and only selling for two, you're losing basically. 80% of your productivity from a growth perspective because you're busy doing something that doesn't scale, right? So uh, if you want to save time in reporting, outsource the reporting. But if you know that you're a good salesperson, you know, know your strengths, right? So double down on your strengths um, and hire, uh, you know, for your blind spots where you are weak or potentially you find that your time is being spent in a way that isn't driving growth, because it is about growth first, everything else makes uh, comes second. Because if you want to save a business, right, so it doesn't matter what uh, the problem is, if you're generating revenue and you're making sales, everything else goes away. Like you could have a problem that's at a 10, you sell something uh, consistent, you have a really great month or a really great week, a great quarter, then the 10 of the problem goes to like a one. So you must always focus on growth and then delivery, so um, that's really important to, to say. So the other thing that's worked really well for me is um, hire fast, okay, um, and hire students. So students are very hungry, right? They don't come from, um, you know, a, an expensive uh, career ladder, if you like. Um, and remember, you want to keep your costs low. So students, I've used students straight out of university, multimedia students, they cost basically nothing. Um, and they will work their ass off for you because they want the work experience. So students are essential, um, uh, you know, drivers, especially if you are looking to uh, save time um, and so that you can focus on growth and sales. So the number, the eighth thing here is do the hard things. So it's very easy to get complacent about, um, you know, doing the hard things, you know, oftentimes don't want to pick up the phone, but I do it anyway, because I know that if I do the hard things in my business, my business will be easier, not easy, but easier. Uh, if I do the easy things, I just do the things I like doing, you know, then I can promise you now your business is going to be much, much harder to run. 
So do the things that are hard, you know, go towards the pain because in uh, entrepreneurship and in business, there's only uncertainty. That's the only certainty. So it doesn't go away. If you hired five people, 10 people, 50 people, a thousand people, it's just the same uncertainty. Just the consequences are much, much higher. So you want to focus on doing the hard things, do the hard things, because if you do the hard things, uh, you will be a better business and a better entrepreneur. The ninth thing here is about the power of perseverance. So I've been told uh, so many times that, you know, um, it was a bad idea to start this business. No one will buy this thing. It's a bad, it's a bad idea to do a podcast. It's a bad idea to do this. Like there's always an opinion of some sheep in some way, shape or form. Um, and so what you want to do is, uh, is be the lion, right? So you want to adopt a lion mentality. It's one of my million dollar principles. Um, and, uh, opinions are basically bullshit. No one knows jack shit. The only opinion you should care about is the, your own opinion. You need to be your own judge, right? Don't care about the opinions of others. There's time and time and time again. Think about the KFC story, Colonel Sanders, thousand and three no's or something crazy. Colonel Sanders, KFC, a thousand no's, and then he still did it, right? So don't listen to the opinions of sheep. Be your own judge. The number one predictor of future success is your ability to persevere no matter what the fuck stands in front of you. And if you can do that, uh, you will have a far more likelihood of success. And that is what this is about. It's about creating success, manifesting success in your life, uh, no matter what success means for you. So the 10th principle here is build for exit. So um, even on day one, you need to know what the end could be or looks like for you. Are you building something that you want to sell? So I'm an exitpreneur. I build things, commercialize things and sell them and flip them. I get bored like three, three years tops and then I'm out. Um, but um, that's me. What are you? Who are you? What kind of entrepreneur are you? Are you the guy who wants to hold a business for 10, 20, 30 years, uh, you know, and be the next um, you know, KFC, um, or are you the type of guy that is, or girl that wants to build and sell a business? Either way, you want to be thinking from day one, what do I need to do today so that I can make this business as profitable in th tomorrow and in three years time? So even if you don't sell, you want the ability to choose to sell should you want to sell. And that's a really important point because anything can happen in life anything. And if you've built your business to um, be exit ready, where things are profitable, it's run properly, you've got you know great accounts, you've got a great team, you've got a great culture, you've got great customers, you've got great revenues, financial statements. If you can uh, make sure that all of that stuff's in place, then you have the choice to sell or not. And for me personally, I hate being in a corner. If I don't have the choice to do something, then you fucked. Then you don't have any power. And decisions are your ultimate power. So think about the exits. How much is enough for you? You know, if you would, if your business was valued at five million dollars, or one million dollars, or three million dollars, would you sell? What could you do with the million dollars? Well, how would you spend your time? Who would you spend it with? What difference could you make? Would you start another business? You know, and these are really important questions to think about from day one. So, what is my exit? When I sell, or if I choose to sell, what does my exit look like? 
So those are the 10 things that I have used in my businesses or in my life in my last 20 years of starting businesses to build successful startups. Um, and uh, I've also made a lot of failures along the way. And if I'd known these things uh, 20 years ago, I would have failed a lot less, been a lot more successful. So I hope these principles, these um, 10 uh, tips or steps uh, have made a good positive difference to you. So please like, comment and subscribe, guys. I will see you in the next video. This is Matt Brown. I'll see you soon. Cheers.